All right. Glad you're here this morning for uh, our Sunday school class this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going through a series that is a very important topic for the Christian. Uh, and it's something really that, that is inward. We, we look around and we don't see uh, if somebody has forgiven somebody else. Uh, or is holding on to something in their life, many times that's not visible on the outward, uh, but it is something inward that we need to be very well aware of. And so in Ephesians chapter number 4, and uh, jump back to verse 21, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to, I'm just going to grab a verse here so that we can get context. Well, let's just read down through there actually and, uh, and get the entire context of the passage, there's a whole list of things that he's going through in this chapter in Ephesians. And we're not going to, we're not going to cover every one of these items, uh, but I want you to see that in the context that this is in a list of things that are being dealt with. So in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21, the Bible says this, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you can see here he's, he's kind of laying the groundwork and he's saying, listen, that we are to put off the old man and that we are to put on the new man. He's talking uh, to people who are saved, people who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, and, uh, and they're born again, they're saved people. But the fact of the matter is we have this old flesh, we retain the old flesh, and it's there and it's a problem and we ought to uh, put it off and not, uh, not do the things that our flesh necessarily desires to do. But then he says, put on the new nature. Uh, and so this is kind of the setting the scene of what he's about to talk about. <clears throat> Look in verse 25. And he continues, he says, Wherefore, putting away, so these are the things that we are to put away, lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then verse 26 is the text that we're going to look at. Be angry, angry <clears throat> and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And uh, let's stop right there and let's pray before we get into our message this morning. Father, we thank you 
for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have uh, to, to preach and teach your word. And God, thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in your house. And God, we're, uh, we're not hindered from gathering. Uh, we're able to be able to gather and, and, uh, and hear the, the teaching and preaching of your word. And we thank you for that freedom. We thank you for that liberty. God, I pray that you would uh, bless each of the classes this morning. Father, the many classes that we have right here in our building that are teaching your word, I pray that you'd use each teacher in each class. And, uh, and, and God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. And I pray that you would bless each hearer, Father, of your word. We'll thank you for that. And God, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, I stated in the beginning, we're not going to look at the entire list. We're not going to look at each one and itemize them, and, and we certainly could. Uh, but we're going to look at one of these items that I believe is, is a serious hindrance to the Christian life. And something that is internal more than external. And uh, it would be something often hidden to others, but detrimental to our Christian life and our walk with the Lord. Uh, if we hang on to that anger and it turns into bitterness and unforgiveness, then it becomes a serious problem in our life. And, uh, and listen, in all honesty, it will hurt the person that is holding it far more than it will hurt the other people. And so we need to understand that. that just holding on to it, that in our life is, is damaging to our own self. And we need to be very careful of that. Uh, it was stated, I read this week, that friendships, families, and, uh, and churches um, don't fall apart overnight. You know what? They fall apart over time with bitterness and grudges being held one against another. And, uh, and so that lack of forgiveness, it can certainly tear apart families. It can certainly tear apart friends. It can certainly tear apart churches. And so I believe it's one of the uh, very important things that we need to look at and strengthen our inner man by letting go and, of anger and forgiving uh, people who have wronged us. And so uh, as we look at this, we're going to focus on verses 26 and 27. The Bible says here in verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Now, a lot of people like the first part of that verse. Amen. Uh, it's, you know, you ever get mad at something and uh, say, man, I, well, the Bible says be ye angry. All right. So uh, that's biblical. It's okay. Well, there's certainly two types of, of anger that would go along. Anger is defined as this, uh, a strong passion or emotion of displeasure excited by a real or supposed injury or insult to oneself or others. Uh, it's a strong passion of emotion. Uh, in other words, it's something uh, that bothers you. And I like the fact that in this definition they say, uh, by a real or supposed injury or insult. You know a lot of, a lot, a lot of grudges, a lot of, uh, anger, a lot of bitterness is held about something that was completely unintentional. Uh, I can't tell you, especially being on the mission field, how many times there's misunderstandings. Um, learning a, another language, boy, it, it's really easy to say something that you don't mean or say something in a way that you don't mean it, and, uh, and, and, and people get upset about that. 
Uh, and, and a lot of times, too, because you are a foreigner, they'll, they'll say, well, he didn't, he didn't understand, uh, and maybe he didn't mean to word it that way. And so sometimes there's a little bit more leeway. But listen, sometimes even amongst us, uh, we're all speaking the same language. We're all, uh, we're all talking English. And, and uh, still, many times, uh, there's misunderstandings or miscommunications. In my, ha- in my house, uh, with all my kids, when they're all there, uh, there's eight of us in our house, and, and uh, I can't tell you how many times a conversation rolls from one thing to another thing, and, or two conversations are going on, and somebody answers this conversation, and this conversation hears that answer and pulls it into their conversation, and there's a complete misunderstanding that is going on. And, and it happens on a regular basis, and I kind of chuckle, and I'm like, no, no. I was like, they were talking over there, something totally different, and, and you guys were talking about somebody, something totally different, and, uh, and there's totally a misunderstanding. And, uh, and you'd be surprised, really, how many times that, that offenses take place on a complete misunderstanding. And, uh, and so we do need to be careful about that side of it. Uh, But anger is an an emotional response to someone or something that has taken place. First, I want you to know that there is a right anger. Uh, Jesus, of course, we we think of that, and I think of immediately how Jesus went into the temple, and he overthrew the tables, and and the Bible says that he cast out the money money changers and, and all of that. Well, let me ask you a question. We know this. Did Jesus sin? Well, we know the Bible that Jesus did not sin. So we know that. So therefore, there is a righteous anger. It's not a a sinful anger. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was out of control. If you go back and you read, I think it's the Gospel of John, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't remember what chapter, so that's your homework. You'll have to find it, okay? Uh, In the Gospel of John, it talks about it. But the, the Bible also says in the Gospel of John that he made a scourge, a scourge. I don't know what the right word is, uh, some kind of a whip. And, uh, and, and, I, and I could just kind of picture him there, taking a, a three pieces of leather, kind of braiding them together uh, until it came out to a thinner piece and having something to whip. And, and so if he did that, if he took the time to make that before he ever went into there, you know that was all planned. He, he was not in a rage of anger, turning over the tables, uh, but he was upset. And it was a righteous anger. And it was right what he did. And you go back and you read it. It's in all four of the gospel accounts. And it says afterwards, it was prophesied that the zeal of thy house hath eaten thee up. In other words, that that you would be so upset with sin that's taking place in the very temple of God. Wow. Yeah, I could see how that would make Jesus, who is God, upset at what was taking place. And so certainly he went in and he did overturn those tables, but he was not out of rage. It was not out of rage. He was not out of control, uh, but rather it was a a very planned uh, thing. The Bible uh, says that, hey, right here in our verse, be ye angry and sin not. So it is possible to be angry and not sin. Anger is an emotion. And and so there's certainly a way to do that. Another passage in in the life of Jesus, uh, when he was angry, uh, the Bible says in Mark chapter 3 in verse 5, you can note it down and you can go back and read it for context. 
later. But it says this in Mark 3, 5. And when he had looked around about on them uh, with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. That was when the Pharisees came and they were tempting him. And they said, uh, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? And, and, and boy, Jesus was, the Bible says, he looked around about on them with anger. In other words, but what caused his anger? What incited his anger? It was the hardness of their hearts. It was always sin. Jesus was angry at sin. He was angry at wickedness. He was angry at things that were not correct. We're not talking about uh, somebody that had wronged him, but, well, he was God, but somebody rather that had wronged God in their life. And Jesus is God, so therefore they, they wronged him. But listen, it's okay to be angry at sin. Uh, we've heard it said many times, uh, hate, the, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Uh, and that, sometimes that's a hard balance. Sometimes it's hard to separate those two things. Uh, but listen, it is possible. And, uh, and sin, uh, it's okay to be angry at sin. Matter of fact, we ought to be angry at sin in our own life. Uh, when, when we are tempted to sin or when we do sin, uh, it ought to bother us. And we ought not like the sin in our life. So there is a right form of anger. And it's an anger uh, against sin, and it's an anger against wickedness uh, that we can see very clearly. So it's not wrong in and of itself to be anger. But there also is the idea that anger can be wrong. Uh, the Bible says in James, turn over with me to James, save your spot here in Ephesians. In the book of James, in chapter 1. A couple Wednesdays ago, we, we looked at this idea of anger. James chapter 1 and verse number 20. The Bible says this. It says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So the wrath, and that would be again the anger, and, uh, and perhaps a, a stronger anger, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When we're controlled by anger, uh, that's a whole different thing. Uh, matter of fact, you can note this down in Proverbs 14, 17. The Bible says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Uh, have you ever done something, and, and you don't, don't raise your hand, because uh, I, know, I know you have, because I know I have, and I... Everyone has. It's natural. Uh, you ever done something foolish uh, out of anger? Man, you, you, you say something, uh, you do something, and it seems like uh, in our life it's a regular occurrence sometimes, uh, especially if, if you're put under uh, a lot of stress or a lot of tension or something. Boy, it's easy to say stuff uh, that we should not have said. It's easy to do things that we should not do uh, out of anger. And that's being controlled. That's giving place to anger and allowing anger to control us in our life. And so we need to be careful of that because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, some of the stupidest things that have ever been done, many times are done out of anger. They really are. 
And there, it's, a, it's, it's anger controlling that person, causing them to do things that are foolish. And so uh, we need to, uh, this first one in Ephesians, as we're, we're here, the first idea uh, that, we, that we, we need to understand is that we need to reject Satan's temptation to be angry. You know, Satan tempts us. And he does want us to fall, and he does want us to fail. The Bible's very clear that we have an enemy, and, uh, and it's not flesh and blood. Uh, it is temptation. Many times it is our even self that, that we deal with uh, that is our own worst problem. And so we need to reject Satan's temptation to be angry. Uh, we see that, that there's a sin in anger. Uh, not only that, but we need to understand this, that we ought not stay in anger. Look with me in, in, back in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Then he says in the second part, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. A husband and wife were celebrating their 50th anniversary and, uh, and a young friend of theirs was there and he, was, he has, had already been engaged and, and he was going to be married soon and and he asked them, he was trying to get some advice. He said, well, you've been married for 50 years. And he said, let me ask you, what's uh, the most helpful thing that you've done over the past 50 years? And the husband replied, uh, well, uh, we never go to sleep angry with each other. The young man was real impressed. He thought, man, wow, that's amazing. But it wasn't long after the wife chimed in and said, well, the longest we've ever had to stay awake is a week. Sometimes it's like that. <laughs> but we ought not let our, 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 the sun go down upon our wrath is what the Bible says. In other words, hey, don't let anger go on unresolved. Anger going on unresolved uh, often turns into a vindictive uh, vengeance that says, hey, I'm going to get that person back. Hey, they wronged me, and I'm holding on to that, and, and I'm not going to let go of that uh, until I pay them back for what they've done. And it turns into a very vengeful and, and oftentimes a very bitter thing that we're holding on to. And, and we ought to be careful that we don't hang on to that. Uh, because, listen, uh, as I said just a couple Wednesdays ago, uh, that, that vengeance usually dishes out more than is deserve, to be honest with you. Uh, I remember my brother, uh, you know, brothers will go back and forth and, and, and fight and things of that nature. And, and uh, my, I used to, just to bug my brother, I'd punch him in the arm. And, uh, and my brother said this, I remember him saying, he said, you hit me, I'm going to hit you twice as hard. That's the idea of vengeance. It's like, I'm going to pay you back and I'm going to teach you a lesson on top of it that you're not going to do that to me. And, uh, and he did. And it hurt. And, uh, and you know what? I didn't bother my brother after that. Uh, but, but I am saying this, that listen, oftentimes, that, that's kind of a, a, a childish example, but listen, oftentimes, vengeance goes farther than, than just paying back what is deserved. And the Bible is very clear that uh, vengeance is not ours to take, uh, but we ought to leave it to the Lord. I don't, I don't think it was in our text here. I think I read it elsewhere. Um, but certainly we ought to leave vengeance to the Lord. And so we ought to be careful that we don't hold on to that anger. Uh, because, listen, it will turn into bitterness. 
and it will turn into vengeance, and it will be a problem. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13.10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Listen, if you take all of your arguments, nine times out of ten, probably nine and a half, probably 9.9 times out of ten, it boils down to I'm right and they're wrong. And that's all it boils down to. Well, I'm going to prove him that he's wrong. Why? So that I can be right. Well, pride cometh with pride, only by pride cometh contention. In other words, it causes that argument. It causes that strife. It causes that idea of, hey, I'm going to be right, and, uh, and they need to know that I'm right. And, uh, and that's kind of holding on to those ideas that we ought not to. Harbored anger boils into bitterness. The Bible says this uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. Hebrews 12, 15, it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, Bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Uh, we ought to be careful when you hang on to that anger. When you don't forgive somebody, it does turn into bitterness. And, and listen, bitterness will harm your life. It doesn't harm the other people. When, when, when you go to bed and you're fretting, and you're thinking, man, that, uh, you know, I'm bitter over this problem. Listen, that other person, they're sleeping like a baby. They're not laying awake at, at night, tossing and turning, saying, man, that bothers me. Man, I wish they hadn't done that. Man, I, I, I need to get them back. Man, this is not right. And, and they're not fretting over it at all, but it will damage your life, and it will cause you lots of problems in your own life. Look with me in, in our verse uh, in our text here in Ephesians 4, in verse 27, the Bible says, Neither give place to the devil. Go back to verse 26. Let's read all of that in context. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. When we, uh, when we allow anger to harbor in our hearts, and when we allow uh, bitterness and, and wrath to to, to remain in our hearts. Listen, that's like giving a little piece of your heart to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And so we ought to be careful uh, that, hey, that we need to learn to let things go. And listen, I know that it is easier said than done. I realize that. Uh, I have a book I read many, many years ago, and, and, uh, and it was a wonderful book, and it said the title of it is Help Out of the Hole of No Hope. And he talks about, in that book, uh, he talks about people who had been uh, maimed by, a, by drunk drivers. And the drunk driver, of course, walks away and, and completely uh, fine, and, and this person was left in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And yet, they found path in their heart to forgive. Why? Because if they didn't, that guy, he's, gonna, he's not gonna, probably not going to bother him a lick. But listen, this person with whom is harboring this, this bitterness and harboring this, if they don't let it go and if they don't learn to forgive, they'll spend the rest of their life in absolute bitterness. And, and he talks a, a biblical perspective of how to forgive other people and not hold on to those grudges. And if we don't, then, uh, hey, we're allowing the devil to have a, 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 a millimeter of our heart. Listen, you know the old saying, uh, if you give him an inch, 
they'll take a mile. And we need to be careful that we don't allow, we don't give place to the devil in our lives. Uh, because it is very destructive. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians 2.10 and 11. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10 and verse 11. The Bible says this in verse number 2 Corinthians 2.10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Let me just stop here for a minute. And Paul is talking about forgiveness. In 1 Corinthians, there was wickedness that had been taking place in the church. And Paul had advised them, uh, listen, do not allow that to take place in the church. And so they, they, uh, they kicked somebody out of the church for the wickedness that had been taking place. And in 2 Corinthians, he's advised them, listen... That fellow has learned his lesson, and, uh, and hey, he's gotten his life right. Hey, now it's time for the church to learn forgiveness and to, to bring him back in. So that's kind of what he's talking about in this idea uh, of verse number 10. And he says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. And if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. So he gives us the way to forgive is, of course, through Christ. But look in verse number 11 as well. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's talking about forgiveness. And he's talking specifically about forgiving others. And he's specifically talking about forgiving people in Christ. And he's saying this, that, hey, if we don't, we are giving Satan an advantage in our life, in our family, and in our church, and in our society. And we need to be careful. Listen, Satan is a liar, a deceiver. He is... Uh, he is good for nothing. He does not want to see families continue. He does not want to see churches grow. He does not want to see individuals live a right life. He does not want to see God exalted. He does not want to see souls saved. He does, he's contrary to every single thing in our Christian life that we are striving for. And so to give him even a sliver of our life is to give him an advantage that he does not need. And we don't need him to have. And so holding on to, uh, to, to anger uh, and not forgiving uh, is very problematic and we should not stay in anger. Somebody said this, when you forgive, you set two people free and one of them is yourself. There's very, very lot of truth in that. And so we need to reject Satan's temptation uh, to, uh, to stay angry and to be angry. Back in our text in Ephesians, we need to, not only do we need to reject Satan's temptation, and he will tempt us to sin, and he will tempt us to be angry, and he will tempt us to hold on to that, uh, but we need to refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit. Look with me in verse 30, Ephesians 4.30. He says, And grieve not, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Of course, uh, anger 
is in this list, and there's many things that grieve God, but one of those things certainly that grieves God is bitterness. And being angry and holding on to that anger will certainly grieve God. And bitterness is, uh, as we've said, is often a result of anger, uh, but it's easier to hold on to. Uh, the Bible says, there's that verse I was thinking of, it's in Romans 12, 19. He says, Dearly beloved, uh, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, uh, I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't be like the, the, the little boy in Sunday school. He got that verse a little confused. And, uh, and he went home and, and his brother wronged him. And so, uh, boy, he took his vengeance right out on his brother. And he said, well, that wasn't right. And, uh, and he said, oh, yes, it is. The Bible says so. He says, yeah. He says, yeah. He says, vengeance is mine. The Lord said so. <laughs> I think he kind of misquoted that verse a little bit. But certainly, you know, if we think about it, if we leave all the scorekeeping up to God, God's a good scorekeeper. He's not going to mess up. He, he's not going to make an error. When we, we used to play, uh, I used to play soccer, and uh, our soccer team was, uh, was terrible. I mean, I, we had a, a regular losing record. So it was nothing to brag about, and, and I don't talk about it because uh, it was pitiful. It really was. But one of the things that, uh, sports teaches young people is that uh, my coach, I remember him many times, he's like, keep your head in the game. Pay attention to playing the game. Your job is to play the game. And, uh, and I'm telling you, sometimes referees would make a bad call. And uh, you know what? Uh, on the side of referees, if anyone's a referee here, uh, it's sometimes tough to see everything, and sometimes you've got to make the best call you can. But, but sometimes referees would just make a flat, a bad call. And, and you know, as, as a player on the field, man, that bothers you. You're like, man, I was wronged. We were robbed. We could have had a goal, but, but that referee didn't see it, and, and, uh, and we were wronged. And, and, you know, if you stand on the field and you're fretting about that and you're arguing about that and you're convincing your teammates, man, we should have made that. I'll tell you what's happening. The game is continuing to go on, and you're fretting on the field, and you are not advancing. Matter of fact, you're a detriment to your team because you're fretting about something that's already taken place while the game is still going on. And your coach is on the sideline yelling at you, hey, get your head in the game. Get in the game. Don't worry about the old calls. Get in and start playing right now where you're at. Because if you don't, listen, hey, the game's going to continue, and the other team is going to score points, and they're going to advance, and they're going to do better than you will because you're standing around saying, man, that was the worst call i ever seen in my life, that we should have had a point there, uh, that something should have been done about that, and you can stand and talk about it all day long, but it's not going to help the game go any better. And what we need to do is leave the scorekeeping, leave the refereeing up to God, because God never misses a beat. You say, well, he doesn't, he doesn't do things the way I would. You better be glad he doesn't. I mean, how many times in our own life would our judgment be cast back on our face. You remember when uh, the lady was taken in adultery and, and all the Pharisees said, listen, the law says that she ought to be stoned. What say ye? And Jesus, the Bible says he bent down, he's writing in the sand. And he says, 
he that is without sin cast the first stone. How many times have we been forgiven in our life? And, and, and we're, we're, we're casting judgment. We're asking God, God, judge this. God, take care of this problem. God, why didn't you see what took place? And why aren't you doing something about it? And, and we're asking God to do something about it. And we're not taking matters into our own hand. But at the same time, also not leaving the scorekeeping up to God. We're trying to say, hey, that needs dealt with. But in our very own lives, if those things were dealt with, hey, we'd be just as guilty as those people. We need to be careful that we don't hold on to bitterness because it grieves the Holy Spirit. We need to stop keeping score and stop refereeing and just play ball. God doesn't need our help being God. He's in charge and he can do it. Look at verse 31 of our text, Ephesians 4.31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That verse really sums it all up. I mean, you look at that bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, uh, and evil speaking, those and all malice, those all really go into the same category and they fold into the same thing because oftentimes uh, evil speaking is malice and, and uh, oftentimes anger and bitterness and, and clamor and, and all of those things are oftentimes related to each other. And we need to refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit in our life. And give him control of our life. Not only that, but I want you to notice we need to reject Satan's temptation. We need to refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit. But we also need to reflect the Savior's forgiveness. Look at verse 32. He says this, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I think of the life of Jesus Christ, and I think of the kindness that he showed. The Bible says here, be ye kind one to another. Uh, listen, God, God doesn't tell us what to do. He practiced what he is teaching us to do. Jesus lived a life of kindness. It seems like that's almost a lost attribute today. A kindness is defined as this, uh, proceeding from tenderness or goodness of heart, disposed to do good to others. Jesus' life was certainly a kind life. You think about this. Think about all the people that he healed. Think about the lame man that was made to walk. Think about the deaf that were made to hear. Think about the blind that were made to see. Think about the lepers that were cured. Think about Lazarus that was brought back to life. Think about uh, Peter's mother-in-law who was made whole when she was sick. And, and all of the people that, that Jesus touched the life of. You know what it was? It was kindness. It was saying, you know what? I care about you and I'm going to do something for you. It was an act of kindness. They didn't pay him for those things. He didn't do that so that, uh, so that he could collect a fee. He, he did that out of kindness. He displayed kindness time and time again in his earthly ministry. And he displays kindness to you and I by loving us enough and providing for us salvation. Hey, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. He loves us 
even where we're at. What a kind God we have. What an example of kindness. Not only that, but then he says here in the last part, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There's no greater example of forgiveness than that of Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. You know, I go immediately to the thought of Jesus as he was dying on the cross. And, and there, of course, were those many spectating, some that were curious, some that were wanted to see him die. And Jesus said this on the cross of Calvary. He said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. To the soldier that had nailed his hands. To the soldier that had propped up that cross. To every person that was there that had caused Jesus Christ to go to the cross of Calvary. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If we would take that approach in our life, wow, what a difference this world would see. That we would let go of bitterness. And, and I'm not saying it's easy. I understand, I realize sometimes it's tough. But if we let go of that and say, God, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to let you be the scorekeeper. I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you be the judge and the referee and let you call the shots, and I'm going, to, I'm going to live my life forgiving other people. That's what Jesus did. What a phenomenal example in our life for us to follow. If we'll practice that, that'll strengthen us on the inside and make us Christians, strong Christians, to serve the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Father, thank you for your example of forgiveness, kindness, tenderheartedness, compassion that you displayed in our life. And God, the anger, bitterness, wrath, vengeance, is certainly part of our fleshly desire that you've asked us to put off. And you've asked us to put on the new nature that Jesus gives to us. And God, there's not a doubt we need your help to do that. That's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. And God, we need your touch. We need your help. We need your strength to be able to let go of things and let you have control. And so, God, I ask you to help us strengthen our inner man that we would forgive and look to you. That we'd be occupied on the field of your service and not be fretting over wrongdoing that has taken place. God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And with our heads bowed, eyes closed, as the piano plays, if God's spoken to your heart, forgiveness.
life. Maybe you want to ask God to help you with that. He will if you'll ask Him. Maybe there's somebody that you've been harboring a grudge against that you need to go to that person and say, will you forgive me? Just ask for forgiveness. 